If you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But if you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multi-Amory Podcast. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about FOMO, fear of missing out, and how it relates to polyamory. Have you ever watched your nesting partner go out on a grand adventure with your metamor and feel intense envy that they were having more fun than you? Have you been in a secondary relationship where you're always glued to your phone watching your partner and their primary travel together or visit family without you? Or do you always feel like you're missing out on the best experiences with your partner and someone else gets to have them instead? We're going to talk about all of this and how to combat these feelings in this episode. So, Emily, can you start us out by telling us what is FOMO? So, according to Wikipedia and a bunch of other highly impressive publications, uh, FOMO, or fear of missing out, is a pervasive apprehension that others might be having a rewarding experience from which one is absent. So, this can kind of manifest in a lot of ways that we're going to talk about today, but... It is real. It is a thing. It's not just a hashtag. Like missing out on social interactions or missing out on novel experiences, you know, getting to try something new. Um, you know, it, it can also apply to non-romantic or non-friend type things like missing out on a profitable investment or other, you know, satisfying life events or, or things that might lead to your success. Mm-hmm. I think the most interesting thing about this is the fact that FOMO is a fairly universal human experience. And if you think about it, kind of, if we're going to go down the evolutionary psychology route, you have to think about the fact that being hyper aware of what everybody else is doing is actually really important for human beings, for early human beings who are living in tribes. You know, it helped us stay connected to everyone else who was in our tribe. Um, You know, it helped us stay aware of the basics of like, oh, somebody's found some food over here. Or oh, somebody's being attacked over here, you know, having this level of kind of hypervigilance was something that helped us survive. And with a lot of things, um, we have a lot of holdovers, I believe, in our psychology from, you know, the things that were developed in early human um, evolution. And so the thing is that when we're experiencing modern day FOMO, when we freak out about maybe not being able to go to somebody's birthday party or seeing photos on social media of someone taking this great vacation to this place that we really wish we could go to. Obviously, it's not a life or death matter the same way that, you know, someone finding food or someone being attacked by an animal would be. But it still can be enough that it still triggers that really deeply ingrained ancestral fight or flight response within us. Yeah, right. It's like this idea that, you know, as as humans compared to a lot of other animals, we don't survive that well on our own, which is why we've lived in tribes, what, you know, why we've been essentially pack animals or social animals, social primates. Uh, And so there is this deeply ingrained fear that if you're being kind of left out of everything, 
that could lead to you dying, right? And and that's what sort of carries over this idea that if I'm not involved with my social group, I'm going to die because I'm easy prey for predators. I don't have really good claws or any, you know, armoring on my body. I'm just this fleshy little primate who's probably delicious. I mean, and it probably, I mean, it definitely feels like that from time to time, like that really intense feeling of um, anxiety if you're not doing the best thing or you know if you're missing out on something awesome that your friends are a part of and especially if you watch your partners go off and do something else and you're stuck at home and are upset about that like i know that happened very early on in our polyamorous relationship jace like i would get really nauseous um it just because i knew like oh shit he's going off and what if he's having a better time with a better person than me yeah and that's something that we've talked about on previous episodes as well sort of the way that those experiences changed for you over time uh but i think they're also not really unique to to just you know beginning polyamory or something like that Uh, i know that's sort of the context we set up this episode in but i feel like this FOMO problem is actually something that is much more universal and that affects basically everybody because what we were saying is it is so ingrained in us. It is so, um, you know, evolutionarily programmed into us to be such an important thing. And the fact that we live a much more isolated life now and the fact that we rely so much on social media um, rather than in-person interaction, I think... um, has you know definitely influenced this and made it a bigger part of everyone's lives whether they're polyamorous or not yeah i mean i found a statistic that said that 70 percent of all millennials experience fomo um in some way in their life and specifically 56 percent so over half of all social media users um report being anxious that they'll miss out on like vital information about their friends lives if they just don't keep constant tabs on social media so that's a lot of people. And millennials, I guess, were a very, I don't know, anxious crowd, an anxious group. And it <laughs> makes sense because we're the ones who are most tuned in as well. Well, I mean, that stat, though, is that's over half of social media users. So that's not mm-hmm. just millennials. That's, that's everybody. all social media users. That's, you know, includes my mom, right? That um, is that. There you go. That being anxious that you'll miss out on vital information about your friends' lives. I think that keyword vital is really interesting too, right? This idea that mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Is it that, you know, we're, we're so dependent now on social media to get information out there. What your friends are doing is vital. Well, no, I just mean that like that if something important happened in someone's life, we wouldn't trust that they would actually reach out and contact us about it. They would just assume we heard about it on social media. I think that might be part of it too. Interesting, yeah. On the other side of this, we also uh, found a statistic saying that, so this is interesting, so 52% of social media users have taken or considered taking a break from social media in the past year. Uh, And I think this is interesting for a couple reasons. One is that the statistic is about have taken a break or have considered it. I like that it's like, I've considered taking a break. I wasn't able to do it, though. Um, but I think the other part, though, that this is 52%, right? So this is also a very high number of people who've considered taking a break from it. And I think what's interesting about that is that 
rather than saying, oh, I'll, I'll use it less or something like that. It's actually, I need to step away from social media completely. And I feel like part of the reason for that is because of how addictive it is. That it's it's not so easy yeah, to just be to like the addictive nature. Yeah, exactly. And showing that we think we're going to miss out on these vital things. That that's a pretty serious deal. That I, I think we're becoming aware of how negatively social media can affect us when we get caught up in this FOMO and this anxiety about missing out on things. And yet we can't. It's so hard to limit ourselves that people feel like it's an all or nothing. Like you know. How often do you see posts on your Facebook feed of, hey, everyone, I'm deleting my Facebook account or, you know, I'm closing this. I'm not going to be on social media anymore. And then, you know, maybe a few months go by and then they're back. I mean, I think we've definitely seen that the proliferation of social media has really changed the game in the way that we do many things. But I think also in how much an effect it has on our relationships. Um, And if we're going to bring this back to talking about, you know, how does this Uh, FOMO and FOMO that's generated by social media, you know, how does this all relate to our relationships? How does it relate to people who are in multi-partner relationships? Um, And I think it's, it's fairly obvious. You know, the thing that struck me when I was first starting to write my book is that in a lot of the classic books about polyamory, you know, such as The Ethical Slut, um, I mean, this is before their updated version was released, but, you know, they didn't talk at all about social media and about such a profound, you know, what a profound effect our uses of social media can have when you are trying to balance or when you're first trying to explore a multi-partner relationship. Um, because it's, it's fairly obvious that it's so easy to get caught up in what your partner is doing with somebody else because it's right there. It's not, you know, we're no longer in the days where, you know, your partner walks out the door and it's like, okay, cool. Like I'll see you at 11 o'clock when I get home. Like now you can immediately get on Facebook and see what selfies you and your partner are posting with their other partner, (laughs) you know, um, you can get all this level of detail about what they're doing, where they're doing it. Um, and then sometimes even worse, the fact that it's going to be all filtered and look pretty and perfect and amazing. Um, that, yeah, that's, it's, it's, I think that the conversation around specifically polyamorous relationships these days has to by default, also include a conversation about social media usage and what effect that has. It's like we can't discuss that without also um, including that in the discussion. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, and I mean, hugely relevant. Yeah, and we're such a competitive culture, especially here in America, which is something we talked about in um, a recent episode on cultural intelligence. But here, like, it's very easy to slip into that pattern of wanting to be the best and kind of the addiction of trying to be better than somebody else or trying to view or at least look from the outside that like your life is perfect and that everything is all good. Um, and especially to your other partners that you might be more desirable than someone else potentially. Yeah. It, it reminds me of kind of the old, uh, you know, saying of keeping up with the Joneses or whatever, that was this, (laughs) you know, expression for when you'd live in housing, you know, in, in your neighborhood and kind of making sure that your yard or your fence is nicer than your neighbors or that your, you know, the car that's parked in your driveway is nicer that now we, I feel like we do more of that on social media than with our front yards. Um, maybe I'm biased about that. Maybe this is still going on in front yards and I'm just less aware because I live in apartments most of the time. Uh, but I, I do feel yeah, like there is here. this, 
<laughs> right. The sense of that social media, your social media life is now your finely manicured front lawn. Um, so one quote that I wanted to talk about here that, that I thought was interesting is that uh, this is a quote from the co-founder of Flickr. If any of you remember that. No, I guess Flickr still relevant. No, I've, I used it recently. Okay. People still use Flickr. Uh, but Katarina Fake, uh, so she once said that social software is both the creator and the cure of FOMO. It's cyclical. And I think this is interesting because I'm not quite so sure that it's the cure for FOMO. You know, I definitely think that it can cause it. I think it's made us a little bit more addicted to comparing ourselves to other people. Um, but I'm curious how she thinks it's also the cure for it. Well, probably because if you're feeling shitty about yourself, then you go off and create your own like beautiful post on Instagram or something. And then maybe for a few moments, you feel good about yourself. <laughs> but then that in in the same in the same way, someone else may look at that and yeah. say, oh, shit, you know, Jace looks so beautiful in his Instagram post. Now I feel terrible about myself. So that's the cyclical <laughs> nature of it. Yeah, I mean, we also can, this isn't really about social media, this is about FOMO, but we can also get caught up in the whole like, yeah. oh, I posted this thing and then people liked it, or versus, oh, well, not many people liked this or commented on this, so, oh, gosh, like, I must not be interesting enough, or, you know, gosh, mm -hmm. it can definitely lead to, to some bad things. And I want to be clear, I'm not saying that I think social media is necessarily this evil thing that's, you know, ruining society, I I don't go in for that sort of thing. Uh, I think it's, you know, great. I appreciate social media, but I do feel like, like other addictive things, I think it is worth taking seriously and not just kind of blindly ignoring it and just being like, oh yeah, whatever, we're going to do what we're going to do. I think it's something worth thinking about, uh, you know, to, to make a comparison. Um, you know, I really love video games and I've played some MMOs, but those like World of Warcraft can be hugely addictive for people and can, you know, ruin lives or ruin academic careers. So I think that there are things that, you know, it doesn't mean they're inherently bad, but it does mean we should take them seriously and realize that maybe for us, this thing might be unhealthy, right? And then we kind of have to evaluate that. We can't just take for granted, oh, this is a thing everyone does, so it must be good. It must be fine. Uh, this must just be how life is. Um, so some of the, yeah. the results that can come from this, from this feeling of FOMO, um, that comes up, I've seen, especially in, in polyamory, especially early on in polyamory, but even, even after that is overscheduling is, or polysaturation as, as we'll call it sometimes, which is just this inability to say no to dates or to relationships or to sex, this just I have to be doing something all the time because I might be missing out yeah. and other people might be having better dates or better relationships that all seem so rewarding. So I kind of have to say yes to everything or, or I always have to be seeking this out and, you know, asking people out and trying to fill my schedule all the time because look at these amazing things everyone else is having, you know, I need to get those as well. Yeah. There's also, um, the possibility that you always want to be included in your partner's dates or in their relationships in some way, like 
Mm. Okay, well, you can date other people, but we need to go on dates together with them, or we should date them together. Like, you know, inadvertently, just sort of placing yourself into the relationship in some way to make sure that you don't miss out in anything. In yeah, any exactly. That, that fear that you'd be missing out on part of the relationship. Yeah, if you're not there actually specifically in it. Um, or just going and obsessively tracking your partner's social media account when they're like on a date with someone else. Um, you sit down, the first thing that you do is check over and over again to see if they've posted any selfies or what they're doing or if it looks like they're doing something way more fun than the dates that you've been on previously with them. This whole thing with social media, I think that's one of the reasons why we often see people making rules in their relationships about you know, well, you can't post on social media with other partners. Um, because I, I think that we are so used to that being such a trigger. Um, and I think that that's why that manifests in people actually going so far as to make rules about it. That instead of us talking about, you know, what's underlying this trigger, like, is it just that I'm afraid of missing out? Is it that I want to be doing that same thing that you're doing? You know, what is it that we often resort to just kind of putting a bandaid on the symptom rather than actually addressing the underlying cause? Um, and I feel like, I feel like I've seen this more often in relationships where people have a stricter, like primary secondary hierarchy, which we'll get into a little bit more in detail a bit later on. Um, because very often we see the phenomenon of, well, you're allowed to post on social media your activities and selfies and stuff with your primary partner, but you're not allowed to with your secondary. And sometimes that's because you're not out yet, um, but often it also is because of, you know, this weird FOMO anxiety that we do pick up from seeing our partner's activities on social media. Yeah, I was I was going to say, I think that 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 idea of being out or not um, can also kind of be used as a way of holding on to that hierarchy. If it's, you know, kind of keeps you closeted because that sort of mm -hmm. gives more importance to your primary relationship because you're the only one who's allowed to be, you know, public that other people are allowed to see that that can also lead to this really shitty situation where a secondary partner is constantly exposed to all these mushy romantic posts or all the trips that you're taking together or all these things you're doing with your primary partner while the secondary partner is, you know, sitting there seeing all of this and can't, can't post with you, but also is sort of sharing this unfair burden of FOMO, right. Of, of seeing all the things that they're not doing. And then even the fact that they can see it, is part of the FOMO. There's also this fear of missing out of being able to post on social media, right? So it's kind of <laughs> compounding on itself yeah. when you have that sort of thing. And it can be really difficult for that secondary partner. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's one of the many reasons why here at Multiamory, we're not super thrilled and super supportive of people in really strict hierarchies. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, this whole FOMO thing, it's not just limited to people who do have some sort of more hierarchical structure. You know, even if you do practice like non-hierarchy or solo polyamory, you still can have a sense, you still can be vulnerable to that sense of like, oh, my partner's going out and doing something way more fun with somebody else that isn't me. Um, and at the same time, it's also not limited to just romantic partners. You know, um, I think that, of course, we're all, um, you know, familiar with, you know, the phenomenon of like, if you're single, or if you haven't been on any dates in a while, or if you're really wanting a relationship, then seeing your partner, or sorry, not your partner, but seeing your friends post mushy posts about 
their romantic relationship can really trigger that kind of same anxiety mm. for sure. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their sites specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping code M-U-L-T-I. So I think that, as we talked about, FOMO can be such a universal experience. And I know in my own life, you know, something that came up very early on when I first started traveling long term about two years ago, a little bit over two years ago. um, And something that I actually, you know, as I was doing research about, you know, the whole digital nomad lifestyle and about being location independent, something that I was actually warned about was FOMO. Um... And it kind of being this weird, like, reverse FOMO situation, because of the fact that when you're traveling a lot, like, people will often express to you, like, oh, you're so lucky, um, you get to go to this place and that place, and, you know, on their on your Instagram, you know, they're going to be looking at pictures of you at the Acropolis, where the Parthenon is. Um, but the reverse FOMO that happens is that you're going to be looking at pictures from home of the Super Bowl party that you're not getting to go to, Um And that was only the case that happened when I first started traveling is, you know, I was going to some really extremely interesting places and I absolutely loved it. But then at the same time, like, you know, I couldn't participate in much of the, the, you know, events that all my friends were going to or the concerts that were happening or even just like the small get together parties that were happening. Um, And so for me, you know, it was kind of a mixed bag because that sucked, you know, even though I'm leading a life that a lot of people that a lot of people experience FOMO about, I'm still experiencing just as much FOMO looking at people's lives back home. I mean, for me, the thing that I had to constantly come back to and that I still have to constantly come back to is just having a sense of perspective of just knowing that 
you know, it's a little bit of acknowledging the grass is always greener effect that what you see on social media is all obviously not always going to be an accurate representation of what life actually is like that everyone's lives are equally pleasurable and painful. Um, to, to varying degrees, but maybe not equally, but yeah, but I mean, equally, equally in the sense that everyone has both pleasure and pain in their mm. lives. Um, and, you know, to be missing out on the pleasurable part may mean that you're also missing out on the particular painful parts um, of this person's particular experience. So I think for me, when it comes to FOMO, that's always what I end up coming back to. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, so, so my experience that I actually talked about some in uh, the blog post that I did about, you know, wanting what I don't want. Um, and that's that, like for me, a place where this would come up is when I see my friends getting jobs at um, bigger visual effects houses or working on, you know, big, you know, Marvel movies or these big, you know, exciting projects and uh, that I'll feel, you know, envy about that. I'm like, ah, oh, shit, like, I, you know, I should have been doing that. I should have been pursuing those jobs more or, or focusing more on that visual effects side of what I do. But then what I kind of realized is that, you know, wait a minute, I made an intentional choice not to be doing that because I don't, you know, while I do really love my work in visual effects when I'm doing it, I, I'm not someone who feels that drive to, yes, I want to spend, you know, 60 hour work weeks for months, you know, working on this big movie, that that's just not something that I find as rewarding as having the time to work on this podcast or for us to go do live shows or to be location independent, you know, all of these things that I've consciously decided, but I'll still have this fear, this fear of missing out on, you know, sort of this parallel life that I could have led where I was, you know, trying to work my way up in the world of visual effects and in film production. But I think that's a good example of how, you know, like Dedeker was saying that even if, you know, people from the outside would think you're the one that is giving everyone else FOMO, that it can go the other way around too. That And so for me, what's been really helpful is just remembering, oh yeah, you know what? I actually consciously chose some of these aspects of my life. You know, maybe there's other things where I'm like, yeah, I didn't have a choice in this matter. And I, you know, I might feel left out or jealous of that. But to realize that there are actually a lot of things you did choose or uh, things that, you know, you do find a really, um, you know, rewarding life that you have where you are because of the choices you've made. Um, and I think this can come up with dates as well that, uh, you know, when I've seen, you know, when I've seen people go out on dates, I'm like, Oh man, I'm so jealous of this cool adventure date they're doing. And sometimes if I stop and think about it, it's like, ah, you know what? Actually, like I, that's not quite the ideal date I would want to have. Maybe I would rather just, you know, sit at home and play on our computers together or something instead of going out to this fancy wine bar or something and kind of realizing like, you're right. I've, I'm kind of buying into this idea that because they think it's good that I should think it's good and feel bad that I'm not doing it. Yeah. I appreciate that you were talking about gratitude again there and kind of for what you mm -hmm. have um, and the choices that you make in your life. Cause yeah, I definitely see that over time as well. But so somebody said to me like, Oh my God, you're jet setting all the time. And I'm like, no, I'm not. That's, that's these guys that I work with. But to somebody else, I may be, you know, the fact that I got to go to Tokyo with you is huge. And um, that I, 
you know, helped create a company that allowed me to do that is also amazing and a really big deal. Um, but yeah, specifically, I wanted to do this episode today because the two of you watching you over the last year go on all of these trips has been challenging for me for sure because I get to watch, you know, two of my best friends constantly having great times together and then I feel left out often because of that. Um, but I, it, I had to tap into kind of my own gratitude as well, like regarding, you know, how intimate I think my relationship with Dedeker is and like how much, how close we are when we speak to one another and Jace, like how much I know about you and stuff. So all of those things are great. Sorry. Yeah. I, I think you're, you're really hitting on something there too, Em, is that I think that, you know, we're, we're all painfully aware of anything that's lacking in our own lives and we can kind of ignore the fact that that's probably the same in everyone else's lives too. Yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah. That, that it is, you know, we know that when we post on social media about these cool places we go, you know, I know that, you know, also I'm, I'm super tired from being on a plane all day or, you know, I'm really frustrated because I can't, communicate with anyone here or I feel really lonely here sometimes, right? That I know those things, Mm -hmm. but you wouldn't know those from my social media, you know, unless we're talking about those. And and just like Dedeker was saying the other way around too, that you might know that, gosh, you know, I'm doing this lame Super Bowl party that's the same one I've done the last four years. But someone on the outside is like, man, you've had a Super Bowl party you've gotten to go to for the last four years and you have this community around you, right? That just the perspective changes so much. Yeah, that's true. It's crazy, but it's good to be aware of that and to also, you know, be grateful for what you do have with the people in your life and with the amazing things that you yourself get to do. So I think that is how we are going to go on to where FOMO comes from and how to get rid of it, how to beat it. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it definitely starts with sadness in your own life. Um, we often are just busy creating a life that looks good on the outside rather than cultivating one that feels good on the inside. Um, and that is, I think where FOMO can come from because we're so caught up in like presenting this perfect picture instead of really making ourselves happy, um, which is difficult. And we've talked about a lot of ways of how to do that and we can continue going on from there, but I think the gratitude episode again is a great one to look at. Um, yeah, in combating stuff like this. Yeah, definitely making yourself happier overall. I think something that I heard years ago that that really just kind of annoyed me when I heard it, but I thought about it since then, and it's been probably you know ten or eleven years since I heard this, and that's that um, essentially that everything we do in life is a choice, except for dying. That's the one thing that we don't get a choice <laughs> in the matter. And, yeah. you know, people, people would, would argue this, you know, against the person who was saying it, but they were saying like, they're like, no, actually it's true. I mean, literally everything, your choice to eat food is your choice even, right? If you wanted, you could, you know, choose to starve yourself to death and die, right? The, the dying part is the one you don't get to choose. Um, but they're kind of doing it as this sort of radical statement about realizing 
how much control you actually do have in your life. Because I feel like for most of us, it feels like we're not very in control most of the time. Um, but anyway, just wanted to throw that out there. You can do what you will with it. I don't want to dwell on it too yeah, much. Um, so another thing about, you know, where FOMO comes from, we've talked a lot about social media and, you know, I do want to be clear that, uh, you know, I don't think that Facebook is evil or that, you know, other social media are evil, but I do think it can be really dangerous and that it can rely, it, it can lead us to rely on it for our happiness or for our validation. So, you know, as we talked about, a lot of people consider taking a break from social media, perhaps try it, perhaps actually do it instead of just consider doing it. Um, you know, consider putting more effort into being present with the people you're actually around instead of focusing on the ones that you're not around. Um, cause you know, there's always going to be people in the world that you're not around. And the more you're focused on them, the more you're feeling like you're missing out on everything. The irony being, of course, that you might be missing out on the people that are actually around you at that time. Uh, another thing I've found actually is that with Facebook specifically, I've kind of been trying to develop a sense of being a little more in tune with myself about how I'm feeling and how being on social media is actually impacting my life. And I found that when I'm just doing the sort of scroll through my Facebook feed, I've realized that I can only handle so much of that before these sort of red flags that I've trained start going off. These like alarm bells start going off being like, you're feeling shittier and shittier the more that you're doing this. Let's stop. Let's, let's just close it, move on to something else. And, you know, sometimes that's easier or harder than others. Um, but I find that just moving on and being like, you know what, I'm going to do a different thing. I'm going to do something that makes me feel good or for myself you know, doing things like instead of having Facebook open on my computer while I'm working, because I want to be able to get Facebook messages from people. But instead of having Facebook open, I'll just have messenger.com open, which is the just the messenger part of Facebook. Um, and then I'll only go to Facebook to check on, for example, the multi-emory patron only group for people in the Patreon group, because that's a group that I do find is much more constructive and is actually a place where, you know, everyone's contributing rather than just kind of showing what they're doing in their life or just po posting, you know, inflammatory news articles that, so for me, it's that it's kind of limiting the amount of time I spend in Facebook and also limiting it to a part of Facebook. That is one that I find more, you know, more productive and more uplifting, more connecting rather than disconnecting. Uh, and then the rest of the time only having messenger open. So it's just about, you know, essentially another way of texting or messaging with my friends instead of constantly looking through their Facebook. Another strategy, like I talked about earlier is, uh, just bringing yourself back to, uh, the truth that social media does not tell the whole story of somebody's life. And it doesn't tell the whole story of your life either. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't think that it would even be possible to use social media to truly, uh, you know, display every single aspect, both good and bad of your life. Um, but I think that, you know, I, I think that I found, especially if I'm falling into the very passive, like just scrolling through social media feeds and if I'm starting to, my mood is starting to tank or if, especially if my mood is starting to tank in response to other people's successes um, as well, that first of all, that's, it's a good clue to kind of, uh, to step away for a little while. But it's also a clue to remember just that nobody's life is perfect. Um, 
and that you're getting this kind of tailored specific version of what's going on in everybody else's lives. So it's just, you know, um, being able to kind of stop on a dime and be able to give yourself a little bit of a reality check as well, I think helps with the whole FOMO thing. Yeah. I also wanted to, to mention something that I just thought of while you were talking about that with, I think part of what leads people to stay addicted to that feed is what we were talking about before the statistic that Emily mentioned of feeling you know, fear that you're going to miss out on some vitally important thing about your friends. And something that I've found now that I'm spending less time going through my feed is that, yeah, I, I do miss out sometimes on life events that are going on with my friends. But I find that then when I do talk to those friends, we actually have a lot more interesting stuff to talk about <laughs> because we're actually catching up instead of this assumption that, oh, I already know everything about you because you've been posting about it in your social media feed. So I guess just to put it out there that that fear that you're going to miss out on some important thing and that somehow that's going to hurt your friendship with your friend, I don't think is necessarily as, as true as we think it is. And it might actually give you more things to talk about um, and maybe more reasons to touch base with your friends and actually have conversations with them. Um, to kind of go back to what Jay said earlier of things being your decision and um, that you kind of create everything that happens in your life and you decide about everything that occurs um, to some degree or the other, uh, that you also decide where to place your attention. So you can decide that you want all of your attention to go to your social media feed and to what other people are doing and how upset you are about that. Or you can decide to be happy and place your attention on you know, the things that you are happy about in your life and um, the great aspects of your friendships and what makes those special and unique instead of placing all of your attention on what um, somebody else is doing or what you don't have in your life. So, yeah. yeah, just stop focusing your attention on the things in your life that you feel bad about and instead focus your attention on the good things. Even without social media, that can apply. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to cut in with a little bit of a disclaimer because I don't, I mean, this whole, you know, everything being a choice thing, I want to clarify and just let our listeners know that we're aware that um, there is definitely the camp, I, I think, uh, called, quote unquote, the love and light camp, um, that will be very quick to kind of go in this very secret style thing of like, oh, well, if you're unhappy, like, that's your own fault. If bad things are happening to you, that's your own fault. You need to just look at the good and look at the positive. And of course that completely invalidates a lot of people's experiences who have less choice in their lives because of sure. a lack of privilege or because of their circumstances or things like that. Um, so I don't want anyone to misconstrue when we talk about these things that, we, that this is a blanket statement about everybody's lives and everybody's psychology. But if we're hyper-focusing in specifically on, you know, if you're struggling with FOMO specifically, that this might be a helpful shift in perspective for you to place your attention on positive things in your life, um, to recognize that you're, you have a choice in what kind of social media you consume, that you have a choice in how you think about other people's lives. But I don't want people to think that we're applying a blanket statement across the board. Well, yeah, I think it's important to make the distinction that having, having power over what actions you choose to take is a very different thing from implying that you have power over the rest of the world, right? That you have power over what happens to you or that you have, you know, power outside of your own actions. Or even to say that you have entire, you know, complete power over your own thoughts 
And while, you know, Buddhists might say you do, that takes a lot of training to get to that point. Um, and, you know, most experienced Buddhists will tell you it doesn't work all the time. It's not this perfect bulletproof thing, but it is something that you can train to get better at. So, yeah, it's more to say that, you know, um, that you do have power over what you do with what you're given, I guess, is is more appropriate than saying that you have power over everything, like the love and light camp. Yeah, no, I think I'm I'm also just going along the lines of like my own shift in perspective regarding like, for example, the two of you uh, being together and me feeling left out um, along those lines when instead I shifted my perspective to being grateful for the things that I do have with each of you that are really unique and really special to me. Um, that in no way like takes away the fact that sometimes I wish that I got to be on trips with you two more often than I am, but simply that I uh, can be grateful for the things that I do have that are great um, regarding both of you. But yeah. yeah. Um, to bring it back to you know our list of strategies of you know ways that you can combat feelings of FOMO, um, I know something that's very effective for me is very actively choosing to put my attention on enjoying the time that I have to myself, particularly if I'm in a situation where a partner's out on a date and either it's they're out on a date doing something that I wish that I could be taking part in, or it's just that they're on a date at all, you know, that I wish I could be going on a date, but I'm not. Um, and I think especially for people who find themselves polysaturated very easily, remembering to enjoy that time that you do have for yourself to care for yourself and to give yourself the things that you want um, can be still an incredibly valuable and important thing. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I think even intentionally making time alone it can be really valuable too. So then instead of time alone being like, I'm alone because I had no other choice and I'm so left out, but it's like, I'm alone because I chose to be. I chose to have maybe this one night a week alone or maybe this couple hours or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think um, to go on to the next one, which is gratitude, which is something we've talked about a lot already. I also wanted to mention that I think the goal of all of this also isn't to be happy all the time. Because, you know, as we talked about in our well-being episode, that's not an actual attainable goal that, that you know, um, to go back to my example of Buddhists, the goal in Buddhism is not to be happy all the time. It's to try to eliminate suffering. And I think those are two very different things. Um, mm -hmm. But to go back to using gratitude is is taking that time to appreciate the things that are good in your life, not just the things that you already have, but also just little things that go well each day is kind of training yourself to recognize the things that do go well. Cause it's, I found in my life, it's been so easy at times to get so focused on the things that didn't go well or the things I didn't get to do or the things that I can't do or the opportunities that I don't have. Um, that I fail to miss out on some of the really cool things, even little things that happen in my life. And so that idea of gratitude, and I really do recommend, you know, trying out the writing down three things before you go to bed of what went well today and why'd they go well. Um, and there's also, there's, you know, apps out there to help you do that. I prefer writing it by hand when I can, but if I can't, I'll use an app or just a little note taking app on my phone to do that. Uh, and it's definitely been really helpful for me. And I think going back to, I'm sorry, I was just trying to look up which episode we did that I want, but I don't want, um, and I'm afraid oh, yeah, towards the beginning of the year, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, 
Yeah, but I mean, if you go back and look for our episode on wanting what you don't want, that's another thing to keep in mind, too, is that often when we're presented so often with these triggers in social media specifically of successes that other people are having or places that they're going or new relationships that they're getting, that sometimes it can be helpful to, again, have a reality check of like, wait, do I actually want this thing? Or is it just that somebody else is getting something good? Um, Because you may actually sit down and realize like, actually, I don't really want to go to Abu Dhabi. I just want a vacation or, (laughs) or I just want some time to myself. You know, that it can be helpful to sit down and actually truly examine what's going on underneath the surface as far as what it is that you actually want, or in the case may not want at all. Yeah. It's episode 117. If you were searching for that one. There you go. And also Jace's blog post on it as well. Right. Yeah. Um, And finally, if all else fails, use FOMO to propel you to do something awesome in your life, Uh, which is interesting that I found this in doing research on this episode. But a lot of things were like, well, you're going to have it, so use it to your advantage, Um, which Mm. I think is not a bad way to look at it, uh, because if you always wanted to go out there and like take a yoga class or take a salsa class or something and you see your friends doing it, then, you know, heck, go out there and do it yourself. Um, Or if you see your partner constantly going on all these exotic dates, then plan that exotic date for you and them um, and go on it and take it uh, or get in shape or whatever you want. Um, If nothing else, it could be helpful to sort of propel you into being the kind of person that you think you should and want to be. Yeah, totally. And it could even, I guess I would want to say too that, um, you know, use it as motivation to maybe try things to see if you do want them. So I think a lot of times we can get caught up in this FOMO being like, oh man, that might be something I'd really love. I don't know because I've never done it. Maybe use that as an opportunity to say, hey, I'll, I'll try that thing. And maybe you'll do it and go, yeah, that was cool. I'm glad I had that experience, but I don't have to be so envious when other people do it because it's not for me. Yeah, because now you did it. Exactly. Yeah. Or you might find an awesome new hobby that you love. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So uh, one last thing that we want to talk about uh, before we sign off on this episode is those of you who are in our patron-only Facebook group already know about this, but that is that we now have multi-amory shirts. If you're watching the video, you can see that I'm wearing mine right now. Um, I changed into it before we started recording this because it's also the most comfortable t-shirt that I own. Uh, but <laughs> there's all sorts of things from, you know, accessories like phone cases or, you know, journals or notebooks or tote bags, things like that. But also these super comfy shirts, um, some comfy lounge pants, uh, tank tops, things, uh, hoodies that are really nice. Uh, anyway, if you want to do those, that um, you know, a portion of that goes directly to support us in doing this show, and you get some super comfy, fun things to wear. And there's also a mix of some that say multi-amory on them and some that just have the logo or just have the super polys. So if you don't, you know, if you want to be able to wear something that you can wear out and maybe another person goes, oh, hey, you too, that isn't, you know, <laughs> right on the front of it, outing you right you could just be like oh it's a cool design or eh, whatever it's a podcast i listen to but other people who know will go ah i see i see what you've got going on there let's talk oh yeah make some awesome connections through multi-amory wear yeah don't get fomo 
go get your multi-armory <laughs> threadless designs. <laughs> um oh so, yeah, and if you want to get uh, that the place to go is multiamory.com yes. slash store uh and that will store. forward you to our store um also from our homepage for multiamory.com there's a link at the top now that says store where you can go check out all the fun clothing and accessories i guess all right we'll bring it home here so if you'd like to have your question or comment played on the show you can call Six seven eight M U L T I zero five, and leave us a voicemail, or you can send us an audio message at the Multiamory Facebook page. You can also email us at info at multiamory dot com, or send us a message on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. To support our show and join our private Facebook community, go to patreon dot com slash multiamory. Multiamory is created and produced by Dedeker Winston, Jace Lindgren, and me, Emily Matlack. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan, and our theme song is "Forms I Know I Did" by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on the episodes page on multiamory.com. You've worked hard for what you have: your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to three million dollars in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss, and if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save twenty-five percent off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com/aware. Terms apply.